0: still that pain of like, does my voice matter? And we all have to deal with that. And I think failure and defeat aren't really the fair ways of analyzing if our voice matters because they're not. Um, Failure is about being willing to try something, not being good at it and try something else. That is a beautiful thing that, again, another thing I think we're just not given the space to figure out.
1: Welcome back to the From Here to Wear podcast. I'm your host Sarah Trot, and we're recording from Union Co Work in downtown Los Angeles today. I am with Stacy Ike. Stacy is an interviewer, actress, and entrepreneur. She's worked for various media and entertainment outlets as an on camera host, and she's interviewed A list talent from Tom Ford to Viola Davis, Melissa McCarthy, Oprah, and even was hand selected by Oprah to be the first live show host of OWN Tonight, a late night show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. She is the founder. Of Fight for Your Fairy Tale, a brand to encourage and empower creatives to be the best version of themselves. And now Stacey is the host of her own podcast, Human to Human, to bridge gaps through storytelling, creating a safe space for curiosity, community, and healing. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's so good to have you here. I feel like I've been admiring you from afar in like <laughs> the non-creepiest way possible, hopefully. <laughs> We share that University of Missouri journalism connection and have a lot of mutual friends in L.A.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. I
1: feel like we have to give a shout out to the University of Missouri J School because that program is no joke. It is. It's a great way to learn a lot of skills. And you're from Houston, Texas, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you made a little bit of a trip to go out to Missouri. Curious, like what drew you to that school?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, you said it, the journalism school. I mean, honestly, when what year did you graduate again?
1: 2018.
0: Okay. Dope. Um, and congratulations. Cause it's just, I still really enjoy meeting new Mizzou people every time. It's such a great connection, but um, yeah. So when I was in high school, I was doing like the high school TV team called dog paws and my high school teacher, Mr. Gardner, shout out to him. Um, encouraged me to, you know, look into journalism school. And then my pastor at the time, pastor Nickery, another shout out, encouraged my parents. They were like, Hey, there's this school called New of Missouri. I know it's far, but they say it's the best. You should probably put, send your daughter there if she's serious. And I was very serious. So we went out there for a tour and yeah, I pretty much knew right then. I was like, this is a lot. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so it was, yeah.
1: No, it's a lot. I mean, the program, especially for broadcast, I think all types of journalism, but specifically broadcast. I mean, you have the opportunity as a college student to be working at an NBC affiliate, doing reporting, anchoring, held to the same standards as any other news affiliate, NBC affiliate. So tons of great hands-on experience. And shout out to Stacey Wolfel. Was he also your professor, mentor? Yes. He and I literally caught up two days ago fully. He's
0: incredible. He's the best. I love like Stacey has, I mean, I know he knows his impact, at least I hope he does, but he truly has had such an impact on so many people coming through that program. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really powerful, like just so encouraging. He was definitely a big part of like encouraging me to come to LA and try this version of journalism and just like, just encourage me to expand. And I thought that was really cool. So I just love that that continues to be the narrative.
1: Yeah especially a school that has yeah, great mentorship opportunities and even post-grad. The Mizzou Mafia is what they call it. All of the connections and, you know, whether you're in journalism or any sort of industry, I feel like the school is really great with those alumni connections. Journalism, hosting, on-camera communicating, storytelling, that's all part of your personality. I'm curious, like, can we get the SparkNotes version of how you got to where you are now? I'm sure it took a lot of hustle, a lot of risk-taking, and also just, you know, following your heart and expanding and discovering your natural abilities and talents and just Expanding on that and growing.
0: Yeah, that's a, I like the way you frame that um, because it does take a lot of expanding, right? Like, University of Missouri is a very news school. And when I left, I almost instantly knew I don't know if I can pursue news in the way I was trained to. So I need to figure out what that next thing is going to be. I didn't apply for any journalism jobs when I left, which, like, You know, my parents were like, well, what the heck? I thought you went to children's school. And I was like, well, I think I want to move to Los Angeles after coming back from Australia. And I I want to try this out. And so it was a lot of, I wouldn't say guessing, but it was a lot of being willing to try, I guess, and trust at the same time. Um, I believe that having faith, not only in yourself, but just in a higher power and God in, and what you're doing on this earth really does play a part in how you, how you decide to take chances and risk. So it was a lot of that, you know, I have the very, I wouldn't say it's typical, but to me it's felt typical. You come to LA, you work at the, You know, the coffee shop, you sleep on the couch, you pay really cheap rent. Like I did all that because I was like, okay, how do I hustle and not have a lot of expenses and still have a side hustle, but still make sure people know I worked for free for years, um, hustling on the red carpet, working for different companies, just trying to get my name out there, build my reel, all that stuff. Um, And then, yeah, in 2017, I got a chance to interview Oprah and, you know, things just kind of took off from there we, we had a really great interview. And before you knew it, I got a call from a production company that was going to do a show on her network called on tonight. And they wanted me to be the host. And that wasn't the explicit email, but that's basically how we, it, you know, it just turned out that that's exactly what they were saying. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, what, what are y'all talking about? Which was amazing. So, you know, that definitely um, pushed me forward in a different way. And also just gave me, I think my entrepreneurial spirit, started elevating around that time too because i didn't really want to claim the entrepreneurial life i was like i'm not an entrepreneur i want to work at a company or whatever the case is and it's not a negative thing it just that's what i thought i was going to do and so i ended up going more of the like gig route kind of working with different a lot of different companies on a lot of different shows and then being able to create my own and create my own companies and i think that's been really powerful and just showing me things that i didn't know about myself so it's been it's been a journey. It's still unfolding every day. Um, you know, we're <laughs> post-pandemic that comes a different territory, but it's been it's been a journey for sure, and one that I wouldn't I'm mean, wow, I, I would really not take back.
1: Yeah. I think what really stood out with that is just your willingness to move to LA and not really having a set plan, but just knowing and trusting your yeah. gut and your your work ethic that you'll make something happen and being willing to take that risk to kind of be broke and have that starving artist mentality and sleeping on couches and cheap rent oh, yeah. and not eating out and doing work for free just because you believe in yourself in this dream enough. I think that's huge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I, I, at the time I was like, what's happening, but yeah, in retrospect, <laughs> like,
1: is it worth it? I don't know. What am right. I doing?
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Retrospect shows us a lot.
1: So what were those first, I guess, you know, couple gigs like for you? Like what, Was there a turning point? I know meeting Oprah, but even like leading up to that, pitching yourself Mm. out. And I think there's something in the art of the pitch too. just like knowing your self-worth and knowing that you deserve to be in that space and that you're qualified Mm. in those early days, even as a beginner, which isn't easy for a lot of people. So I'm curious what that journey was like for you when you first moved out here.
0: Yeah, that that takes time. That's what I learned. Again, retrospect teaches us a lot because I think of how I pitch myself then and how I pitch myself now, or even just like what I care to pitch about. Then I was really, you know, you're trying to find your niche, right? There's a lot of reporters out here. There's a lot of hosts. There's a lot of really talented people, and I was trying to find what my voice is, which again takes time. At the time, I didn't realize that, so I was like, God, I need to, you know, figure it out, or I'm not going to know how to you know, pitch myself. Um, I worked for AfterBuzz TV run by Marie Menounos for a while. Um, I definitely found that as a really great training ground to get really comfortable doing live because that was like the whole platform. And I was obsessed with TV. And so I love talking about my favorite TV shows. And so it was just a really great place to get started. And um, from there I worked with Baller Alert, and that was a lot of, training in just like a different version of my storytelling because I was more with artists or with them. And like, and after buzz, I was doing more like talk, you know, just working with more actors and, and reviewing that. And I feel like those little things helped me find my voice. Also, you know, coming out of Mizzou, you're taught not to necessarily have an opinion about everything you're reporting on because you're supposed to be objective. But then when you come to the hosting side of things, you're more subjective. So that took me on a journey too of figuring out what are my opinions about things? Because I was very used to delivering news versus storytelling in a way that included my, my voice and my opinion. So that took me some time to learn what, what they were. And I still edit that, you know, as often as I can, because I'm so much more open to change now than I was when I was then I was like, no, I have to figure it out. Now I'm like, no, like I don't have to figure it out. I can just decide. I want to do something different. I can change it. So yeah, I mean, I made some mistakes in regards to like, the, the know your worth thing, but I wouldn't even call them mistakes. I would just say that like, yeah, for some time, I wasn't sure how to make sure I got who I was across. Sometimes I got it really right. At least it felt right. And sometimes I was like, I don't really think they even get who I am. And so, yeah, it took me working with different companies to kind of see myself. It took, it took me going to different events. It took me just like, what was I interested in? Also doing the self-discovery throughout that journey too. So yeah, I would say it took... Some trial and error. Uh, I remember one time I pitched myself to do a job for three hundred bucks, and my mom called me and was like, "You are not three hundred bucks. You need to call them back." I was like, "I cannot call them back. That's so disrespectful." But I called them back and changed the rate, and they were like, "Oh, that makes more sense." And I could not believe how that felt. I was like, "Wow, I should. I really got to start like, wow, yeah, putting myself out there." That was crazy. That was a really crazy moment that I still I will never forget because I was like, "I just called them back. That was crazy." So yeah, it takes trial and error. And that's part of the
1: process. Mm -hmm. Trial and error. And I think a common thread that I'm noticing here is just, yeah, being there for part of the process, but also trusting your gut too. And I think Mm -hmm. following your heart of what you're actually interested in. And I Mm -hmm. think at least from my experience um, and other young women starting in the broadcast industry, because people will message me or DM me and ask me advice about, you know, what should I do? And I think, Being really true to your gut and what you're interested in and finding your own niche and discovering yourself and really listening to that is important because sometimes if you're starting in the broadcast program, especially at a place like Mizzou, you know, Mm -hmm. we're covering news, we're covering, you know, weather, we're covering politics and that's okay if that's not your thing. And if you want to be a little bit more subjective and to find your own voice, I think is a really beautiful thing because I don't know, the news industry is changing. It's it's. Some say it's dying. It's shifting for sure. But I think it's really cool that you're able to find your own personality in that process. Yeah,
0: yeah. That I I would just say to everyone: be patient with yourself throughout that journey. It really is. It does take time. Like I I think we don't allow ourselves to take the time that we have. We're trying to rush through it or figure it out or maximize it. But sometimes, like you got to move slowly so you can move powerfully later.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it ever a thought in your mind to do yeah. the Like local news, maybe entertainment reporter in like a small town kind of thing? Because sometimes I feel like people that are starting out in the industry, like seniors graduating from a broadcast program, feel pushed like, this is my only option. I have to move to this middle of nowhere town in order Mm -hmm. to pursue this. But you were like, hell no, I'm going to go straight to LA and make it work. So was that ever a thought to do that though?
0: It really wasn't. I just – I – Felt I would be so uncomfortable, not because it's a small town necessarily, but because I just didn't think I was really certain about pursuing news, and I didn't want to play myself. I was like, I don't feel certain about this. I feel more certain about figuring out this other thing than I do about the thing that I. Yes, I have the skills to do it, but I was like, I don't think I want to pursue news in the way, in the traditional sense. So I got to go figure out what this means.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely, I think yeah. that's really important. Follow your gut, and don't necessarily have to follow the trajectory that you see everyone else doing. I think in a lot of other industries, if you want to become a lawyer or a doctor or a nurse or in business, you can clearly see kind of the clear cut career trajectory. Like I have to go to school for this many years. I have to do residency or go get my right. master's. And with something like so not traditional, like broadcast, there's a lot of finding your own way to do things and, and learning yeah. from others, but it's more... It's definitely rocky, I would say. (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. But rewarding, and I'm sure so rewarding and so exciting. So you've interviewed some really cool people, like A-list talent, Melissa McCarthy, Viola Davis, Tom Ford, I'm sure many others. I'm so curious. I want some juice. Like, give me some juice. (laughs) Tell me about those experiences.
0: I will say Tom Ford was one of my favorite interviews because he's from Texas. I didn't know. I don't remember if I knew that at the time. I think I did. Um, And I walked in and he like immediately told me he liked my outfit. And I was like, you're Tom Ford. That's really cool. (laughs) And, you know, and then we kind of connected on the Texas thing. And then he just ended up being so beautifully vulnerable in that interview. Like it was about his movie, Nocturnal Animals, which I adore that movie. Um, And just like hearing his perspective on, on, on why he created it, why he was a part of it. It was really really beautiful and and i only got like seven minutes with the guy and i was like wow like all right and you know it's not to say i know him full picture but in that moment i really appreciated his um just his vulnerability same thing with melissa mccarthy she's so funny and so cool and i definitely called her a badass on the carpet and she (laughs) she started laughing and it was really great um you know there's a lot of really wonderful people that have surprised me and there's some other people that i was like okay that didn't go the way i thought and i've had to learn through that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, from Oprah to Viola Davis and just people you really admire. And I, it's not just about admiring them. It's about also being able to get some human experiences with them. Right. And just really get to know them on a, on a, on a level that is not just for the carpet. Right. And so I started asking questions that I just felt were more exciting and a little deeper than the three minutes we get on the carpet. Cause obviously that's already the hustle of trying to figure out how to get people's attention in three minutes. But yeah, I started just being like, well, if I get one question with them, I want it to be more about who they are as a person, not just what they do.
1: Exactly. And would you say that's your secret sauce? Because I feel like watching your reel being a student and like just seeing being in like sheer amazement, like, oh, my God, this is so good. She's so talented. But (laughs) I just think it's so cool. The questions you ask for sure, like in your reel, you asked Oprah, like, okay, if you were an emoji or like what emoji would you describe this (laughs) night right now? Like how interesting to like frame questions in a different way. So would you say that's your secret sauce or, or what is it?
0: I I think so. I mean, I appreciate you saying that so much because I think it was really important for me to find what my voice was. Right. And I was like, well, if I'm being honest, I care about making people laugh. I care about making people feel seen. I really feel wonderful, especially when people feel heard. And if that, that's what I can do in my interviews and that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I, and I hope that through the questions I ask, it's a creative way to get those things to happen, right. To get people to feel really present with me for however long I get to interview them and so that was really important for me to just make sure they knew like I know I don't know who you are but I want to and I know that what you do is really cool Mm -hmm. but I think who you are is really cool too because anybody can stop doing what they do any day but who you are is going to transcend that and that was really important for me to find a way to just kind of get to know people on that level so yes I would definitely agree.
1: (laughs) But yeah, you definitely make a strong impression and stood out, of course, to Oprah, so much so that she wanted to have you as a host (laughs) on her show. must have felt good to have that that recognition, that moment like, yeah, I've worked my ass off and now it's getting noticed by people like Oprah.
0: For sure. For sure. Definitely was a very validating moment um, and it was a very... Wow. Eye-opening moment and really just cool. Yes. It it definitely took me on a different journey. It took, it really opened my eyes as not only just a host, but a creative and what I wanted the hosting realm that I was in and how I wanted to keep moving forward. That was around the same time I created Five for Your Tale because I really wanted other people to know like, Hey, I got this being myself. So like, I want you to be yourself at every level all the time. And I believe in you. Like, I know that you can do this because I just did this and not that it was random, but it, I mean, man, that was definitely something I didn't expect it. I just was being myself as much as I could be. I was trying to be as honest to myself as I could. I wanted to be really um, present in those interviews and just take that role that I had very seriously. And so, yeah, it was a really incredible moment. Um, getting to chat with her, um, be mentored by her during that season. Yeah, that was, it was powerful. It was really amazing. And it definitely reminded me of our purpose being a lot bigger than just one event or one experience or one interview. And I got to make an impact, I believe to a lot of, young women and even men who were really excited and, and proud of me and, and didn't know me and whatever. I got to have my parents come and that was amazing. And there was just like personal stuff happened in my life that I got to really celebrate with, with those people. But even on a bigger scale, I just really felt like telling people that holding true to who you are, it's, it's worth it. it. It is.
1: That's incredible. I think, yeah. And also to celebrate those moments and to hopefully, I mean, enjoy the moment and really soak it in and just recognize like what's happening around you and those moments of like, wow, this is a great, a great moment. And to really feel it because I think the, the downfall to ambitious people like yourself, and I'm not sure if you feel this way, but sometimes you're always focused on the next big thing or like, okay, so I checked this off the list, but what's next?
0: Yeah. I would say that the version of me then probably was more like that. I would say post pandemic, I'm a lot less like that. I'm working really hard to make sure that everything I'm excited about doing or pursuing isn't about just the outcome. it's so much more about the journey and the fact that I have the willingness to pursue something. that's what I want to find the most joy in, not just like how does it turn out and that can be really you know it's a scary thing to to make that commitment. I'm really working on like, oh okay, I like this, so I'm gonna pursue it and however it turns out, that's how it turns out. It doesn't mean that it was negative or positive. it's just it's successful the fact that I'm even pursuing it.
1: Well, I was just listening to, you know, your podcast, Human to Human. You interviewed your friend, Michelle Williams, and that was a great, that was a great interview. And, Uh, you know, I say interview, you guys are friends. It was a conversation. I felt like I was just listening in on your phone call, honestly. But (laughs) um, I loved how you guys were talking about, you know, this pandemic being pushed into purpose and curious, you know, how you found purpose in last year? Because for your industry, like many industries, you were just like pushed to a grinding halt. So curious Mm -hmm. what takeaways you have in finding your purpose last year.
0: Oh man, such a good question. Thank you for listening to the podcast,
1: by the way. That
0: was also a really incredible interview um, and conversation. Michelle is such a gorgeous human being and just a great and supportive friend. And so I really I just loved, I loved our conversation. And she also really put that into perspective in regards to all the things you thought were super important before the pandemic or thought needed to happen or had to be a certain way. Obviously, a lot of that was stripped away from us, right? And so one thing I personally recognize is that I didn't need to be seen in the in the way that I thought I needed to be seen, right? Like, not that it was negative. I really enjoy Being a host and and doing entertainment but i started pivoting into like we've talked a lot in this interview i'm so into deep conversations like i need it to be deep and passionate if somebody cries that's amazing i don't mind crying like i love all of that that to me is just really much more impactful and so i had to start shifting my personal life and my and my vulnerability right and like really uprooting some things that allowed me to be seen more even when i'm doing the interviewing the more open I am as a person, the more I can help open somebody else up. And so I was like, oh, wow. Like, even though it's always about my subjects that I interview, I still also need to be really open. And so I went through my personal journey of just a lot of different reading, a lot of different spiritual work, therapy, all the things. I went deep into that personal work because I thought it, I think it makes me a better interviewer and a better communicator and a better friend and person all, all around. And so that was a big thing I learned in just terms of a, really allowing vulnerability to lead me that's where human to human i felt has taken off because i did start it pre-pandemic but the way that i have conversations now i'm like wow yeah i i talk differently because i feel so much more impacted by really being able to share the hard truths that come that are part of the human experience as well as the really happy stuff too the joyful stuff the amazing stuff but i want everything to be shared because I want people to feel like they're not alone. I need people to know they're not alone. And I want people to know that like nothing you're experiencing hasn't been experienced by somebody else. We all obviously have our own individual versions of our stories, but a lot of them are are on the same thread and through line. And that's really a big thing for me. So I would say that's one of the, one of the biggest things I learned and just expanding my hosting. And I didn't have to just be an entertainment. It can be in a lot of different areas as well. And um I expand, I mean, I learned a lot about, like I was cooking more than I ever had cooked before I went vegan. Like I spent like most of the pandemic with my family and I was really grateful for that. And so there was so much there that I learned. And so, yeah, it was just, it was a really, you know, as hard, as hard as it was, I'm very grateful for the time to really sit back and analyze what's important and what's not important. And for me, human connection was like, it came out on top.
1: That's incredible. I think for many, it was kind of like the great reset in so many different ways, personally, with humanity, with a lot of important conversations and growing pains that I think came out of 2020. And I think what's also really beautiful, you were talking about, it's not just entertainment, but what you're doing on your podcast and fight for your fairy tale, you're having, you know, really serious in-depth conversations about important topics and, um, also what it means to be a safe friend and to be an ally and, and bridging the gap. So I'm curious, you know, throughout the pandemic, and we're kind of like, getting out of it, who knows if we're going to go back into another one. But regardless, last year was kind of a wake up call for many. So to you, like, what were those history book, like wake up call moments, of course, with the Black Lives Matter movement? And, you know, beyond what are some of those, like, really big takeaways that we should have and hold on to for the future?
0: I think self-awareness is a really, really big thing that we might have missed before the pandemic. I think a lot of us spent, and, and, and that's how the world has been set up, right? So it's, it, I don't want to, it's not about blame. It's just about like action. Um, the world is set up for us to stay busy and that's really annoying. I think that really is a distraction to how we can really, on a personal level, teach, help ourselves, and really have intimate relationships with other people. And so I just realized in my life, the things that were distracting, the things that take away, take to, took away you know, space and time for me to actually study and know what's going on on a community level, on a ground level. Um, as a Black woman in this country, that time was very, very painful. And it took me on a very serious journey on just like how many systems are set up for specific communities to fail. And that was, obviously, I know that just living in this country, but really sitting with the news, sitting with the things that had affected me that I didn't even realize, sitting with like all my brokenness that, you know, that I was masking. Cause I'm like, well, you got to keep it moving. You got to keep going. You got to go to work, whatever those things are. And it's like, well, can I make different decisions? Do I have to do this? Do I have to wear my hair like this? Do I have to ask, you know, is this the way that I want to re- deliver news? Am I being less of myself in this space? Like there was so much I was going through personally with that. And I believe it gave a lot of people the opportunity to do that. And I think, you know, some of the big takeaways is like, there's a lot of deep hurt that has gone through every single individual on this planet because that's kind of how life is like no one is without suffering it doesn't matter where you are in the bracket and when you're really to, willing to really sit with that you can serve but if you don't sit with your own stuff you can't serve and that's really all we're doing here we're really here to serve and so there's a lot of conversations about you know you know different races and and how what 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 race should know what and and all of that is very fair, but I think it all starts with self awareness and self analysis. Like you need to recognize what your privileges are at every level, so that you know how to use them and help other people. If you're ignoring them, if you're acting like they don't exist, how can you be of service? If you're if you want to be on this planet to be of service, if you real, if we all eventually will realize that that is our entire goal here. You can't do it without the self-work. You just can't. And so that self-awareness, I think, is a really big piece. I also think that the judging ourselves while being self-aware is really pointless. So it's better to analyze yourself deeply, painfully, truthfully, without saying my worthiness is being compromised, right? And that's a really challenging thing. And that goes for every race because there was a lot of com- com- um, conversations about like how white people were just now becoming aware of things. And I thought, Hey, let's talk about what that means for a white person. Like if a white person is sitting there and we're saying, Hey, can you please like read these books? Can you educate yourself? Can you get with the program or whatever we're saying? And they're too busy. That person is too busy being like, no, it couldn't be me. Was I the one who contributed hurt? All that is a distraction to actually being of service. Mm -hmm. So it's tough, but instead of judging ourselves through the process of breaking, breaking down and rebuilding, just knowing is a part of the human experience makes it easier. The self-awareness is a part of the human experience. It has to happen. And so you're not less worthy because you're going through that process because everybody's going to have to go through it eventually. And that was one of the biggest takeaways. It helped me really analyze my stuff. It helped me share that with my friends, people who are asking for my advice. I'm like, go sit with your shit. Go sit with it. Work on it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Work on it, listen, learn. It's unfortunate that it had to get to that point that where things were truly at a standstill, that we had the time and we couldn't mask it with the busyness of everyday life, but that We actually had to sit there and listen and learn and, and hopefully for the better and to grow from it. Um, I love in one of your podcasts too, you were talking about what it means to be a safe friend and to be an ally. And in your words, define what is a safe friend and, and how can people, you know, be that way? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I. Felt that was a really important topic because what I realized is that we don't actually get the training of being a safe friend, like in middle school, right? Like there's stuff that you fight about with your girlfriends or your guy friends and you just kind of get over it because you're in middle school and you're in high school and it's whatever. But then you get into adulthood and you realize communication skills are super important. Listening is super important. Um, knowing how to love somebody the way they want to be loved, not the way you want to be loved, is really important. Like learning how to ask for help without feeling like, like you are you know less worthy or whatever. And then also knowing how to offer help without feeling like you are someone's savior. Those are things that are really, really important that I, again, I don't think we have the training. And so you have to relearn those skills. And in my friendships, I've been very diligent about asking my friends, like, how can I actually serve you? What do you actually need in this situation? Is it what I think you need or is it something different? Um, and sometimes those conversations can be scary because I've had this like, oh, am I being less than a good friend? Am I this? Am I that? But it doesn't matter. Like there's so much learning. Nobody really knows. Everyone, ha- the assumptions are a waste of our time, right? We have to be able to ask each other those some of those hard questions on being a good friend to people or being a safe person for people. And I think one of the biggest things I, I recognize with that is you can – Teach without judging, right? Like you can, or and you can listen without judging too. When 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 a friend comes to you and and you don't agree with what they're saying, I think starting with listening is, is something that is just really undervalued, or we don't realize how important it is. On top of that, yes, you can give a perspective, and you and, and if they're a friend that trusts you, then I do believe you should. But I think that when you're doing it, it's not like oh, tie it up in a pretty package. It's not that. It's just more of being the type of person that people can fall break, break down in front of. And that takes work. That means that you are willing to be vulnerable with yourself. That means you're willing to trust yourself. That means you're willing to forgive yourself. If you can't do that for yourself, you definitely can't show up for another friend. So sometimes when we judge our friends or or the people in our lives, we're really still judging ourselves. And that's why we're not giving them. Now, of course there are different instances when you're like, okay, wait, that was like a little much, but even then, even then there's still, there's still this moment of, um, How do I say it? There's just this being a fountain of understanding is just really important. Being a person Mm -hmm. who's just understanding, not that you have to understand everything they're going through, but you're willing to sit and learn with them, you know, and, and, and go through that journey, whether it's really painful or light, and they just need somebody to like vent to whatever those things are being a safe person. I think it really includes being a really good listener and being a person that it doesn't lead with judgment.
1: And this is exactly the kind of thing that isn't taught in school, but should be because it, people yes. have to figure it out on their own. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of learning and experience. And I also love what you said too in another podcast episode, like no more, like, how are you? And not wanting to actually hear the gen- genuine response. Cause if you can ask someone, Hey, how are you? Good, good. Okay. Like let's move on. But really if you want to be a genuine friend and a safe mm-hmm. friend asking, you know, Hey, how are you? And being ready to, yeah. to listen. And sometimes people just need somebody to talk to and to create that safe space is yeah really important and not always there, unfortunately, even with really close friends.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I, and I get how we got here, right? Because again, we don't, it takes experience. It takes intentionality and it takes learning that would be a lot of unlearning and relearning to be honest, because we don't have those skills from childhood. You have to figure that out on the journey. And I think um, the, how are you thing, it really got to me during the pandemic. Cause I did not know how to show up for certain people because all I knew how to ask was, how are you? And then I realized like, how could I ask you that in the middle of the pandemic? Because if anybody asked me, like I also don't know how to answer the question. So it was just such an interesting moment when I started really reckoning with that phrase. And obviously I know how we got it, but I'm like, can we go deeper? Can we, can we ask somebody like, how are you today? You know, um, what triggers are coming up for you? What joy are you living in? What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? Have you journaled today? Like getting even more specific in our, how are you's, I think really breaks the barrier of of the monotony of really not even having real conversations. (laughs)
1: This episode is brought to you by Organifi. Organifi is a San Diego-based organic superfood company and my go-to spot to make wellness easy. I love that Organifi's products are vegan, non-GMO and keto friendly. And I just love how they make me feel healthy, refreshed and empowered to know that I'm doing something every day for my overall health. I love Organifi's green juice blend for stress support. This one helps reset my body and boost energy. And I also love Organifi's immunity blend my morning ritual is to mix one of these packets with water for a boost in vitamin C and overall immune support. Organifi's products taste great and are a simple way to supplement essential vitamins, nutrients, and proteins. I love these products. They are amazing, and you can choose from dozens of healthy, unique blends on their website, Organifishop.com. That's O R G A N I F I SHOP.com. Switching gears, you know, it, but on top of that, you know, there's a misconception that, you know, people should have it together and to genuinely ask people like, hey, how are you? And be ready to hear that response. Um, also kind of like bridges the gap in a way when you're having genuine conversation and you're actually sharing what what's going on in your life and being vulnerable and sharing like, hey, this thing is really affecting me. This is really difficult. And so I think that kind of plays into you know your podcast and fight for your fairy tale and just having those conversations, which is really unique. And I think there is now more of a push to have those. Um, yeah. Tell me more about Fight for Your Fairy Tale, why you started it, and you know how you had to fight for your own fairy tale. Mm, wow.
0: So I started in 2017, and it has definitely changed a bit since then because at that time, I think I was more trying to encourage people to fight for their fairy tales in their careers, just mm-hmm. because I had, had such an amazing moment in mind And I really wanted people to first know, Hey, you can do this, you know, but as I've expanded as a person, the brand has also expanded. And so now it's kind of, it's more of fighting for your fairy tale as a holistic human being on this planet, as a person who can fight who, you know, there's a lot to fight against, you know, the world is set up in a very specific way. And sometimes it can feel like we just got dropped in it and we're like, what is this? You know, it can feel hard and challenging. No matter what faith you come from, there's still moments where you're like, what is going on? Right. And I think fighting for your fairy tale is really about knowing that it's already in you, the greatness is already in you. It's really just being willing to go through the journey of finding that fairy tale. And it's not just about the destination, it is the journey. These these cliches, I always say cliches are cliches for a reason because I guess they come from somewhere, right? They really come from the truth of what this experience is and fighting for your fairytale is is about you know the self awareness journey it's about the friendship journey it's about the par- parental journey with it's family journey it's the career journey it's the love journey you know and fighting through all these different things that are around us that each human being has to experience or deal with and fighting for your specific version of it and not allowing whatever societal norms um, whatever Instagram or social media or all these other places define as success. It's really about you defining your own success and being willing to go outside of, it's not just about outside the box because if we all decide to go outside the box, then there'd be no box. So it's like, forget the box. It's about really just deciding that your version of success is enough. And so whatever that is, mm-hmm. create that, You know, establish that and then pursue the hell out of it.
1: I love that you use the word fight for your fairy tale because you really do have to put on this body of armor sometimes to like Mm -hmm. really fight for what you want, like armor Mm -hmm. against criticism or self-doubt or worry, or just your overall perception, like is what I'm doing going to be received well. And so you really have to fight and put on this armor. And, you know, I'm curious for like young women listening to this podcast who who want to do that want to fight for their fairy tale, they have a dream, whether it's broadcast or whatever it may be, you know what tools or what pieces of armor should they equip themselves with in order to be successful? Mm, I love that
0: question so much. I would definitely start with the self love obviously it's become a bit of a tagline these days, but there is a reason for that because I think it's just a big thing that we lack as a society. We're so used to, we, we are advertised to all the time, every day, and we're given all these things that are supposed to make our life better when the truth is everything that makes our life whatever we want it to be is already inside of us, which can be very hard to believe sometimes. Trust me, I get it. It's just that we have not honed into how important We really are and how much it, how much it matters to love and lead with our own, you know, our own excitement for ourselves, our own being proud of ourselves first, being loving ourselves first. Like we just don't realize how important that is. And I, I didn't realize how important it was for a while too. And, and as I've been going through that journey, I was like, oh my God, like everything I thought that I needed other people to validate, I have, and, and I'm the one who's supposed to validate it, which also brings me to the self-trust part. You know, trusting your gut takes time. I don't think it's something that you just wake up with. I think you have to train your gut and your voice and yourself to say, "Hey, like, all right, gut, are we going this right?" And then, let's say you went away that you didn't like, and you're like, "Oh, okay, now I know, gut. Maybe next time I make a left instead of a right, or whatever that is." And that's that journey can be really. It doesn't. It's not one picture. You know, you can't take a put one tweet out and and it makes sense. You can't. It's not one day. It's it's a process. It really is. And so. I would definitely say one of the biggest tools is the self-love. I think it's, oh my God, it's like my only tool, but it, it's not. It's just that it's my favorite one. Self-love and self-trust are two of the major things that really it takes to fight for your fairy tale, to keep going and pursuing whatever it is you want, because it's about what you want. And that means your love for yourself has to be so ingrained and your trust for yourself has to be so ingrained. Um, I also think having faith um, and going through that spiritual journey as well, because we're all spiritual beings is really important too. And, and really just attaching yourself and your body to something bigger than just, just one thing, right? Just what you do or, or Mm -hmm. who, who's your friend or who likes you or all these roles that we play, your sister, being a sister or or a brother or a mom or all these roles. That's not exact, like just who you are. You're even, you're even more just you than you think without all those roles. And I think that really, um, that really contributes to, so kind of just, being willing to go through the journey of self-awareness, self-love, self-trust, all the self stuff is my fate, are my are in the toolbox. They're all the biggest tools in the toolbox.
1: You know, a lot of us have experienced difficulties and failures in different ways, but in your opinion, is it truly ever failure? Like is it really defeat or is it really just you know, knowing when to pivot and when to pick yourself back up.
0: There's an episode on human to human right now with Keir Gaines, and it is awesome. I suggest everybody listen to it. And he said something so powerful to me that I think I'll never forget. Um, I asked him his definition of strength, and he said his definition of strength was being flexible. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, I am so strong (laughs) because... You know, we want to say being strong is like hustling through things and like suffering through things. And I'm like, you know what? That's not, I'm not saying it's not strong. I'm not, I'm just saying it's not the only definition of strength. Right. And there are so many expansive levels of what it takes to be strength and strong. And in this pandemic and coming out of it by the grace of God, a big part of it is being flexible. And it is so I mean, come on, we have to give ourselves some serious grace here. Nobody saw this coming, at least for those who really didn't see it. I'm sure somebody did, but you know, we didn't see it coming. We didn't know how exactly how it was going to turn out. And so we're still getting up every day and figuring things out. And I think alone that makes us strong, right? And so it's like to start allowing ourselves to let these words like failure and defeat really defi- define us. It's so unfair, really. It really is because I don't even know where those words and how they became so popular because people think like that's why winning, you know, the opposite of failure is winning, but failure is winning because now you know like, cool, I failed and now I need to just hurry up and fail again and fail again and fail again. Because the more you do that, the closer you're getting to whatever it is. This is not my first attempt at, you know, making my own show or having media. You know, Human to Human is the one of is the third show I created, you know, and I man, I'm actually figuring out it right now while talking to you is that like, I've always been successful. I just needed to realize that always knowing how to pivot, being willing to pivot, put something down start something again. Every time you start again, you're strong as hell, you know, because it does take a lot. It takes a lot of, overcoming self-doubt and saying, why is this going to be different? And is this even important? And do people matter? There's so many people in a lot of industries. I'm sure, even though, you know, maybe the audience right now listening is mostly in the entertainment industry, but in every other industry, there's still that pain of like, does my voice matter? And we all have to deal with that. And I think failure and defeat aren't really the fair ways of analyzing if our voice matters, because they're not. Um, Failure is about being willing To try something, not being good at it, and try something else—that is a beautiful thing. That, again, another thing I think we're just not given the space to figure out. I hate that when we graduated from college, they were like, "Okay, now go out in the world," and you're like, "I don't even have the tools to be out here." (laughs) Like, you know, because you you think you're supposed to know what you're doing at 22, and and how crazy is that, right? Like, I can't imagine talking the way I talk now, feeling the way I feel now at 22. I mean, I I had some versions of it and the things that was already in us are in us. I know that, but it takes time to really discover that. It takes a few failures. It takes a few defeats. So I'm doing my best not to look at those things as negative things at all. Um, As I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself because yeah, there are moments that you're like, dang, this didn't work out. I failed. And it's like, well, we've got to start reanalyzing what failure really means. And I just think strength is flexibility, it is being able to pivot, it is being willing to pivot and to try again. That is so amazing.
1: And also, you know, to redefine versions of success and happiness and that your personal definition of that doesn't have to look like everyone else's. And also to embrace that heartbreak is part of it. I would I would rather say like heartbreak is a better word than failure because there's so many times getting told no or things not going your way and that not being a failure, but just something that stings a little bit. But then it just like gives you that kick in the ass to just keep going. <laughs> so that's Love I think, that. That's how we're going to call it from now on. <laughs> Love that.
0: Love that so much. So, yeah, I heard so many no's. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or even, you know, with, you know, the show that you were on getting canceled and that just kind of yes. being something that was – probably really frustrating and, and devastating in some ways how how did you treat yourself in that experience and come to terms with it and and what was that like for you it's funny that you ask i actually can still
0: see me crying like i actually remember what i looked like what i was wearing who i called like i was really devastated that you, just like you said it was heartbreaking right like you get this huge break and then it's no more and you you want to blame yourself. You're not sure how to, how, how it happened. What could you have done differently? All those things come into play. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think I went through a grieving process. Um, And I think that's really important to getting over or moving on from anything. We do have to grieve. We do have to be sad. We do not, not that we have to, but if that's how you're feeling, accept how you're feeling. I didn't have the language mm-hmm. to say that then. At that time, I did want to like get over it or figure out how to move on or, or whatever. But now I just have so much more perspective on really feeling your feelings all the way through, so that you can get to the end of them, and you don't—they don't have to carry, you know, take up space when you're trying to carry new things, joy and happiness and excitement and whatever's in the future for you. And so, yeah, it was pretty painful. I definitely was was sad and heartbroken. And one day at a time, you just start picking yourself back up. I had a really great team that was really encouraging around that time and was very um, passionate about me figuring out whatever the next thing was. We had definitely made a, uh, a mark in the industry and we didn't want to let that go. And so we were just going to use that time and use it wisely as best as we could at the time to really expand. That's where 5 Free Fairytale was born and just kept pursuing that. And I kept doing news. And I kept working with different companies and I just started trying again. And I just put myself out there again. I mean, I can't, I'm, I'm actually thinking about it now. I'm like, wow, I just like kind of kept going. Now I do think it's important to feel all the feels before you keep going. Cause I think I did it at the same time. Like I would be going and I'd be like, oh wow, I feel really sad. <laughs> like all of a sudden. And so that, that would happen, but it takes time to, to pick yourself back up. But I just want everyone to know that it, the time is not wasted. However, however much you need to feel, feel it. And, and that just really gets you to the next step, whatever that is. I think that there's no one way to, to get over anything, but definitely feeling my way through it, knowing that everything really does happen for a reason, knowing that if, you know, there, it's all the cliches, right? One door closes, the other one opens, all those things like became really true for me. I was like, oh, wow, this sucks right now, but eventually it stopped sucking. And eventually I started moving on and creating new things and being a part of new shows and Yeah. So it just takes time. I think time is the best, the best healing for that.
1: Such great wisdom to allow your, that time and space to heal and to grieve. And if you're feeling sad and frustrated, like cry on the floor and like do what you need to do. That makes sense. But the thing of successful people is is to keep going and to keep pushing through. And I think that's also a common thread in so many of these interviews. I've had people that were on the brink of quitting, the brink of moving home, changing careers. And it was just like one little thing that changed that if they didn't keep going, their lives wouldn't be to where they are. And so I think that's just yeah. such an important lesson and so much wisdom here, which is just so grateful and always amazed by you. So I'm I'm sure everyone listening to this is feeling the same way. Um, I want to know what is next on the horizon for you and also how can people get in touch with you if they want to find more about you?
0: Yeah. Um, well, thank you for saying that, Sarah. This has been a really great conversation and even brought up some memories for me that i just haven't been sitting with for a while. So I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah, that did happen. Oh wow. Okay. (laughs) And so that's really cool. Um, but for me, human to human, the podcast. So if you go on Spotify or on Apple or anywhere, you listen to your podcast, just type in human to human with the number two with Stacey Ike. Um, and you will find us and the shows and the episodes are brilliant. I am so overwhelmed by just how, how happy, Um, I believe not only they make me, but my guests. And I feel like the audience has been really resonating with the conversations we're having. So that's what I'm I'm building that every day. (laughs) Every day I have my long list right in front of me. So building that and staying really focused and excited about that. Uh, We're on a mid-season break right now, but there's several episodes for you to catch up on in between us getting ready. Um, I just have a few things I want to cook up, and that's why I wanted to take a a quick break and bring it back just in full throttle with the last few episodes. They're already recorded, and, you know, just get ready. It's really great, people. I'll spoil a few because I don't know when this is coming out. So we have, like, Sophia Bush coming up. We have Bozema St. John Mm. coming up the CMO of, of Netflix, um, my friend James Bland, who just got a new TV show today. Um, just so many wow. incredible creatives and wonderful human beings that I admire for a long time. And I really believe the audience will also admire them as well. And so, and just be encouraged by them. And so, yeah, that's the main thing. Check out the website, human And you'll see a lot of the other things that we're building throughout the, throughout the brand. If you want to keep in touch with me, check me out on Twitter and Instagram at one takes days. O N E T A K E S T A C E. I am always there. I have my email tag. Um, You can email me, send me a message. Yeah. I love communicating through that that community as best as we can I do take a lot of social media breaks so if I miss you don't worry I'll be back but I like taking my breaks too
1: one take Stace I love that because you are just so gorgeous inside and out and well-spoken and wise and just so grateful for all of this and stay tuned for more I can't wait to listen to those episodes yeah thanks for having me Sierra. I really appreciate it